Good evening, fiends. Chell and Tori here with a roughshod episode uh, about the new interview with the vampire show on AMC. We wanted to get our thoughts fresh off the press, which means that we're just going to be a little more unpolished than usual. Yeah, which means that I'm basically going to do a very rough edit on this and not spend a ton of time on it. So, right. There we go. We do want to give a preface, though. Yeah, before, mostly. We... Yeah, before like the pitchforks and the torches come out. <laughs> I hope there are no pitchforks and torches. Uh, basically, we just wanted to let everyone know, like right up front, that this we liked the show for what it is. I'm sure we're going to have varying opinions. We mm-hmm. also have some questions, quibbles, some complaints. But obviously, there's things that we liked. So this isn't going to be a glowing rave. But we're also not going to just sit here and shit on the show. So we hope you'll join us in discussing the pilot episode of AMC's Interview with the Vampire. We're not going to give you the backstory. If you know Interview with the Vampire, you know Interview with the Vampire. Um, we're both coming at this from longtime readers mm-hmm. of the Vampire Chronicles. We are not new to this franchise. Mm-mm. So I just want to preface that we are not going to rehash what inter- like what Interview with the Vampire, the book or the movie was like, if you know, you know, but bear in mind that if you are going to be listening to this, um, we are just going to be working on the assumption that you know the book as well. Yeah. I mean, we'll mention stuff if it's important, like this was a big difference or whatever. We're going to point. Oh, absolutely. If they're important to us, we're not going to point out every difference that would we would no. be here all night. And I don't <laughs> want to do that. We're not here for a neutral compare and contrast either. No, these are our thoughts and feelings on the pilot as people who have been fans of these books for a very long time since the 90s. So Mm -hmm. we obviously have emotional attachments (laughs) and some biases. And I'm speaking of me in particular. I have some biases um, in particular regarding a certain character that I'm sure we will get into. But yeah, it's just kind of what we think and what we thought and... We hope you find this interesting and enlightening. And afterward, we'd love to hear what you thought as well. So feel free to reach out. All right. And without further ado, let's get into it. Yeah, because otherwise I feel like we're going to be here all night qualifying everything. So the AMC pilot opens and it's an ad for an online journalism course. And there's an older guy. He's got gray hair. He's kind of snarky. He's got a very NPR voice. Definitely reminds me of someone you would hear like on this American life or something. It it was good enough to the point where I legitimately thought this was an ad and I tried to fast forward it going, where's the show? (laughs) And I I realized it was the show and I had to rewind. Yeah, it was funny. Well, it's funny too, because right before that, they show you the ad for AMC with interview with the vampire. And you're like, yes, I know that is why I'm here. You don't have to show me an ad for the show I'm about to watch, which streaming networks love to do that. And then all of a sudden you get this thing and you're like, I mean, I knew who the actor was, so I knew it was part of the show. But if you don't, you're like, okay, I'm not buying journalism (laughs) courses right now. Please, please go on. And then we see this guy sitting on his sofa and he is watching the ad. And we learn that this is Daniel Malloy in the show. Very different from the book, Daniel Malloy. And he is like in his apartment doing puzzles. And then he goes to the mailbox and he gets a box of tapes. Uh, it's very weird. Well, he doesn't actually know it's a box of tapes. So he goes back to his, you know, I can't tell if it's an apartment or house, but he's like in his dining room. His condo. 
Yeah. He gets a call and he opens it up and he sees a bunch of cassette tapes in there and there's a letter from Louis de Pontulac. And he looks at the name and he's on the phone with a doctor, it sounds like. And he's like, oh, I'm going to call you back and hangs up. Yeah. And then he goes in his closet and digs as one does when one just shoves ancient tech. <laughs> he finds like an old boom box and then he starts to listen to the tapes and air yeah. from the old interview that he did when he was a young budding journalist in the 70s. Yeah. So did you have any thoughts at this point? What were you thinking? Um, so what I was thinking, well, first I was just taken aback because I I knew you had told me about Daniel, but I just I did I just didn't sink in. So mm-hmm. I was not expecting a Daniel in his like late 50s, early 60s, mm-hmm. something like that. And when he was pulling stuff out of the closet, he pulled out like old stuffed animal, like t- children's stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, what the fuck? So I totally <laughs> thought that they uh, hetero heteroized him. Like, I just thought that they straight washed him. Uh, there's a debate about that. We'll talk about that later. Right. And and then I was just like, what the fuck? And um, I do. I saw then like the scar on his neck. Um, so that I was like, oh, OK, OK. And I'm like. Well, he's not obviously in contact with vampires currently. Right. Because the scar is old and though his reaction is very like one of alarm. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. He's very confused. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, let's just, you know, go with it. Just ride the wave. Just ride the wave. No. My first thought was like, why would Louis have the tapes? And I think we kind of find out later that basically this interview So the premise of the show is that the original interview happened, like in the book, like the the interview that we read in Interviews of Vampire, that is what happened, I guess. Um, Except that in their version, Daniel was like stoned out of his mind and apparently did a really crappy job. I'm not, it's kind of weird. That's not what I got. Well, yes, he did a crappy job, but also Louis was like being evasive. Well, and he says he doesn't, we'll get in the next scene, he talks about how, like, he didn't follow up on questions and, like, didn't follow up on discrepancies in the story. But then Louis says he was disrespectful. I don't know. Something went wrong. The premise of the show is that something went wrong with this interview. It's not entirely clear to us what it is, because if you listen to the tapes, this little snippet that we get in this scene is, like, book dialogue. So it's it's very weird for them to be like, yeah, this interview was crappy. And you're like, but I know that interview. That one is good. But basically, now, all these years later, Louis is contacting him and trying to give him a second chance at this interview. Why is completely baffling to me. I don't think it's necessary. I'm sure it will play into some plot line they have planned or something. But to me, it's just super weird in the first place well he'd been been following daniel's career daniel subsequently had a very successful career as like like a correspondent and a journalist and like a novelist and all this well not novelist but like an author wrote a lot of like nonfiction books yeah um so he was very successful he had a couple of failed marriages and i think i have i mean yes i have theories i don't know if we're gonna go ahead and dive into them I think we'll dive into theories at the end because I have some theories that I want to talk about too. But if there's something that feels super relevant, feel free. I think to it's just relevant spit to this. Out. Yeah. Why Louis is giving him a second chance, I feel, is because I don't want to say he sees 
himself in Louis or himself in Daniel, but I do feel like he feels connected to Daniel in the way that they made the narrative around homosexuality. Yes, but also why now? Like why? Why at all? Because he knew that Daniel was dying. Yeah, well, he has Parkinson's. And he he has Parkinson's and he's deteriorating. And um, Parkinson's is a degenerative disease a degenerative disease mm-hmm. so he doesn't have just all the time in right, the world but... okay to... sure but my question for you is what good is this interview going to do either of them like what's the point and th- that's my question that's not really a question for you so much as a question for the show sure like what's the point and maybe that question will be answered to me it just doesn't at this point i don't feel and it's the first episode so they don't have to answer everything that's fine i just personally find it really confusing because it doesn't even need to be a second interview it literally could have just been it just seems like a weird premise to me that's all that they need to, to do it this way i don't know i mean i mean yes i do find it an odd premise but i but i don't know for me i i see it like okay. i i i guess like i'm like yeah i i get that like he's he wants to he wants to finish this he wants to see it through sure. for both his own peace of mind and you know daniel because you know he felt a connection yeah oh clearly and so yeah so then we get some travel scenes and there's some voiceover <laughs> and, and we get louis living his best uh who's the who's the guy from blade that i hate <laughs> It was lame. <laughs> Deacon Frost. And Deacon he's like Frost. living his best Deacon oh Frost God. fucking I didn't life. Even think about Deacon Frost, but you're right. It's literally like the Blade penthouse type style where it he's got is. the windows that are blacked I out. Was like, so they can that be is not fun. how Anne vampires fucking work. No. So they get to this room and it's like all windows, which reminds me so much of Night Island too, which I was like, there's just a lot of stuff I feel like, I don't think they pulled it from Night Island, but just obviously coming from the books, like my head, I'm making all these little connections mm-hmm. and going, oh, mm-hmm. but these windows are specially tinted so they don't let the sunlight in. So we learned that it is 10 in the morning. And in the Anne Rice books, vampires cannot be awake during the daytime. The sun literally pulls them into like this unconscious death sleep. So it's yeah, very they would weird. like he should have fainted, like yeah. just poosh. Like but, I was just like that was like actually my very first like, you're what like the what? fuck what? <laughs> moment. Yeah, I'm like, what Deacon Frost bullshit is this? <laughs> God, Deacon Frost bullshit. I love that. That's beautiful. <laughs> and then we meet Rashid, who is Louis valet. I have some theories about Rashid that are ridiculous and I don't think are correct, but I, they amuse me, so I will share that later. Oh my um, god. I didn't even catch his name and I was just like, what the fuck I is this? I don't even know it said in the show. I was I watched it with a friend who told me and so I knew the name. He was very uh sassy. Well, and like it's so weird because like it's an interview, so you don't really need a third person to be there because there's mm-hmm. no reason. All he does is like control the window shades with an iPad, and that's like what he's. And I guess he could get Daniel some food in a room to sleep in or something. Like he's some kind of personal assistant, but it was just kind of weird. I'm like, who is this guy, and why is he? But he's clearly a vampire. Yeah, you know there are theories about that. So wow. yeah, no, I don't think it's it's for sure, but I would I would bet money. Yeah. He looked like a vampire. I mean, he was wearing gloves and stuff. And so I definitely got that impression, too. And then again, we rehashed the old interview. Daniel plays part of the tape, the part where Louis attacks him at the end. And Louis tells him he was disrespectful. And then 
Daniel points out all the stuff he did wrong because now he's a seasoned journalist, so he can listen to these tapes and go, wow, I should have asked a follow-up question here. I should have, you know, followed up on your discrepancies. I should have pushed harder when you steamrolled over my questions, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they say about the interview, it's a fever dream told to an idiot. Which I also I just, wrote that down. Yeah, I... I personally take that as a dig at the book. Like, I don't know if that's what it was intended, but watching it, it really did feel like it was just kind of a little dig. And, you know, again, I don't know the intention behind it. It just it hit me in the heart a little bit. <laughs> See, I wrote down, ooh, that was funny. Oh. <laughs> so, it did not hit me in the way that it hit you. Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a little dig. I think, I don't know. I'm also viewing this through the lens of, like, my opinions on um Roland James who wrote the script so I don't, I don't know. know him I had known nothing about him so I don't know a lot about him but just the interviews I've seen about this show and stuff I just mm -hmm. don't get good feelings from him and he says a lot I of get. stuff that's complete nonsense and I'm like what are you saying uh, okay so I just I don't know I get the impression and this again I'm not sure <laughs> I liked the show enjoyed it but I do get the impression that he feels like he's taking something that needed to be fixed and like fixing mm. it and so i don't like that impression that i get and i don't i don't know if that's really what he feels but that's just whenever i read interviews with him that's sort of the feeling i get from him sure i respect that roland james has also said that this is the most book accurate adaptation of the vampire chronicles out there or that it's going to be and like that's just patently untrue like we know that the 94 yeah. movie was closer the broadway musical was closer mm -hmm. so like those things exist you can't tell me that like this is closer when just based on the premise of the show it is already diverging from the books greatly by having it be like a re-interview and a second one and taking place now and all that stuff which is fine it's totally fine to take something and update it and make it your own there's nothing wrong with that it's the, it's whole the pretentious attitude the holier than thou attitude that he's he's giving with like all these inaccurate sound bites that are just well and it's also just trying to have it both ways it's trying to say oh this is so book accurate but also we're changing everything and it's right. like okay we'll pick right. one So anyway, then they start the interview and Daniel's like, it's 10.03 in the morning. Let's talk to a vampire. And Louis starts talking and he says that he was 33. He was in New Orleans. He was the favored son. He says he was the son and Daniel's like, oh, the oldest. And he's like, no, the favored. And he basically inherited all this money from his dad who died five years ago. And now he's running a brothel. I thought their dad like squandered money or he didn't have in the show yeah well they inherited money from i know maybe that was it maybe they did squander money but they do have some money to like open the brothels and he's running like a whole chain of them it sounds like so I don't yeah think yeah he's got bad. like a chain of them and like his father came from like yeah like sugar cane or sugar yeah it was like it was a sugar cane plantation they mentioned enslaved labor and how that played into it a little bit. They don't go into it at all. It's just kind of mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then his brother Paul shows up on the street and Paul is very religious and very against the family business as it stands now. So he starts kind of raving in the street and attacking Louis, not like attacking, but verbally like, you know, arguing with him. 
and Louis like tells him to stop and like pulls a knife on him. It I my note was like that escalated quickly because yeah. <laughs> it just seemed like a very quick like and Louis does say like you can't look weak out here, so I guess that's what he was doing, but it it just felt a little strange to me. Yeah, I was like for show because it was like it was a very public passing down that his brother was giving him and he Mm -hmm. couldn't like show weakness in front of subordinates and clients and stuff. And the fact that he is a man of color who is a bit well to do businessman and, you know, he can't he can't like look like he doesn't have a control on like he that he does not have control on things in front of judgmental, you know, white people. Yeah, totally. And then we see, I think we actually see Lestat when he first drives up, but then we kind of see him witness this exchange. Mm -hmm. And so he is there. (laughs) And you just see heart eyes, motherfucker. Like he's like, ooh, I like him. Yeah, I don't know why. He's instantly just like, I like this guy. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It. (laughs) We can make guesses. Maybe he just likes just waiting for someone who's a little rowdier or just in- likes his attitude. Maybe something in his thoughts. He likes him. He's in. Mm-hmm. He is pretty. Jacob Anderson is a very pretty man. He is. Uh, yeah. So then we get to know the family, Louis's family, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. His sister Grace is getting married and they're eating breakfast. And Paul is just like, again, ranting about the family business. And they kind of mention... I don't know if they mention it here, but they do mention at some point that Paul had actually been in an institution for a while. So mm-hmm. clearly um, that is an ongoing thing. And the mom is funny. I like his family a lot. I think Louis' I family too. in the show is really great. I think they're really fun. Yeah, I'm glad that they they got a lot of screen time in the first episode. Yeah, especially Grace. I think she's really fun. I really like mm-hmm. her. I think she's a good character and she's interesting and she has really good screen presence. And I'm like, I would watch her. Yeah, I'm... I'm glad that they like, you know, made it, I think, clear without being cruel that, you know, Paul has mental health problems. And yes, you know, this is a an age in a time where people did just lock up their family members and, you know, they're trying to manage it by not doing that because he did spend some time in a place that wasn't like, you know, where they I think they said that, you know, he came out worse Mm-hmm. Um, which back then that absolutely would have happened <laughs> because all so, they would do is just kind of lock you in a room and I don't know right wait till your hysteria passed and then so yeah. they're friends with like their local Catholic church mm-hmm. and like the priests who are there and who kind of like look after Paul during the day yeah so Louis actually takes him to the church and we see them walk in and he talks to the priest a little bit and yeah, it's nice and then later we see Louis and he's going to a rival brothel because I guess you can't patronize your own brothel. <laughs> no, you can't shit where you eat, you know. <laughs> Doesn't work. So he's there. He tends to meet with a sex worker named Lily. But when he gets there, Lily is at a table, a very expensive table, apparently, with this French guy who just showed up. And the French guy is the stat. That should be obvious, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, my my first thoughts with Lestat, I was like, Lestat is one charming motherfucker. <laughs> like, he was great. Like, Yeah, I mean, Sam Very Reed flirty and very just, he was, he was wonderful. He was everything I want in a Lestat. Yeah, I feel like Sam Reed really understands the assignment. He's doing a very good job. Yeah, Sam Reed knows what he's doing. Like, yeah. He's just, he's really good. 
So he talks to Louis for a bit and, you know, he just recently arrived from France and Louis speaks French. So he understands what Lestat and Lestat is apparently impressing Lily by speaking French to her. I don't know. Anyway, and there's some flirting and some posturing, a Mm -hmm. little bit of like competition. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of manly competition. Yeah. There's a little bit of competition for who gets to basically go into a room with Lily. Mm hmm. And Lestat wins because he has more money to throw on the table, I guess. But he does give Louis a card that has his name on it. And it's all gold lined and everything. It's perfect. And I believe that this is the first scene where Lestat kind of gives him a little bit of his, a little taste of like his uh, glamour. I I don't know what, they've never given it like like an official name. But he can, you know, he can read thoughts and he can send project his thoughts into other yeah. people's minds. Is that like telekinesis or well, te- telecommuni- telecommunications? It's telecommunications. <laughs> he's a telecommunicator, you know? He, he has a cell phone. In he has a cell he's phone. texting he's, under the table. He's he's showing Louis how to buy life insurance. <laughs> yes. No, the name for it in the books, and I think that's why it doesn't get used very often, is it's the mind gift. And so people oh. just kind of call it mental. I mean, people do use the term, but I usually just call it like psychic ability. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. So he has that. And so he starts to like, you know, teases. He teases Louis a little bit with it. And Louis's just like, he's frozen, you know. Um, he's definitely not sure what to think because Lestat also kind of like, he's complimentary but he's also a little insulting. And so it's kind of like very French. (laughs) Yeah. So he kind of just, and Louis just kind of left sitting there going, what just happened? Who is that guy? Mm -hmm. Having lots of feelings. And then we see this gas lamp lighter and he's walking down the street, do 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 lighting the gas lamps. And then he is viciously murdered. Mm. A lot of violence. We don't really see who does it. We can guess that it is Lestat, but it is an interesting scene because it's, like this horror movie scene kind of interwoven in these other scenes and it almost doesn't fit. You're kind of like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And then we're at a poker game that Louis is invited to because he is a business owner. And so he's with these other business owners and they're playing poker. Well, that sucks at poker and he jokes about it. He's like, Oh, I didn't tell you I'm really bad at this game. And everyone laughs. Ha ha ha. And then one of the guys starts telling Louis about someone else bought this business and if Louis's willing to run it they'll give him 10 percent. and Louis being really polite about it he's like oh you know that's such a nice offer and Lestat's like that's bullshit but he doesn't say it out loud so he starts talking to the guys and as he's talking to the guys he also starts talking to Louis in his head mentally and telling him they don't respect you all that stuff which that's that's kind of a feat to be honest to be able to hold two conversations at once I definitely could not do that yeah, agreed. I I really love this scene. First of all, I love the way he looks at Louis in the card game because he's in love. <laughs> um, and I do like the way that like the show was able to capture Lestat's ability to like you know mesmerize and um, hold mortals captivated, and it, and how like it feels like they're frozen in time, but it was only just like a split second. Was it though? Because it does seem like he literally stops time. Like there's, it's kind of goes on for a while. It it does go on for a bit, but like, I don't know. That's, it, it, it definitely, 
I mean, I will believe that that is meant to be metaphorical. And later we do see yeah. him chasing somebody. And I think that that is supposed to just signify how as a vampire he is moving faster and the other person is moving at a normal speed. Yes. So I think that that is sort of what's going on here. But it does look like Lestat can just stop time. Like, I don't know if you saw the 80s show Out of This World, mm-hmm. but it was about a girl who was a half alien, Evie, and she could like stop time by touching her fingers together. I loved that show as a kid. And every time someone stops time in something. So that's literally as soon as that happened, I just started thinking about out of this world. And I started cracking up that Lestat was like half alien. Uh, so I got a little like starting to sing. Would you like to swing on a star? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was funny. It was a good scene. It was entertaining. It was just uh, for a minute. I was like, wait, did he like freeze time? What's going on? It was very <laughs> And then he switches the cards so that Louis wins, too. So, like, he takes a card out of someone else's hand and, like, switches it so that Louis can win it. <laughs> oh, I would bring him to Vegas in a second. So oh, yeah. If he wants to come hang out <laughs> casino with me till I can win enough money for a house or something, I'm in. I would do that. So then Louis talks to his sister and we learn that he's been hanging out with Lestat. There's a scene of them going to an opera. I honestly, I don't, I didn't write it down. I don't remember exactly where it is. It's either right before this or right after. Mm-hmm. But we see that they're spending some time together. And his sister's like, oh, you're hanging out with a white guy. And he's like, he's not white. He's French. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. I thought that was one of the funniest lines in the show, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, oh. That is. Whatever. <laughs> and then we also at this scene, so they're kind of talking about her wedding and different things. And we also see Paul is talking to himself. So he's up on the um veranda. What is that mm-hmm. called? A veranda. Yeah, he's up on the veranda and he's like arguing with someone who isn't there. So we can yeah. tell that Paul is clearly having some struggles. And I, I know I my notes I put poor Paul and I put a little <laughs> sad face because I'm like, I really love him and I just feel so bad, you know. Like, I'm just like, oh, honey, oh, honey. Like, you, like I don't know. I don't know about you, but I really felt for his family. Like, in a way that, like, I just didn't connect with them, you know, in the books. But maybe that's because I was an impatient teenager and I just really wanted to, like, get to the vampires. Well, in the books, Paul's pretty much dead, mm-hmm. like, right away. Obviously, we we get some conversations with him and we learn how he died. But we don't really... I know Louis' mom and sister are mentioned in the book, but I don't remember them having any dialogue. I don't think they really appear on the page at all. They're just kind of, he mentions like, oh, my sister's doing this or my family was doing this. They're not really a big part of it. Whereas Mm -hmm. here they're actual characters and we get to see them have reactions and lives and Mm -hmm. characterizations that they didn't get. Right. So Grace insists because Louis is spending so much time with this friend, this new friend, she's like, well, bring him to dinner, bring him to dinner. Yep. And so they invite him to dinner. They invite him to dinner. And my next note is the word Gabrielle, all in capital letters. <laughs> I'm just like, As in, come get your son? Or, I mean, I mean, well, because, like, right. Because, like, so, you know, they ask, they, you know, kind of ask about, like, Lestat's uh, background and stuff. And we get some good canon background. Yeah. Like, I was like, yep, yep, absolutely. So I, so I was just, I was just very excited that like, I was like, hey, you got it right. Good job. Gold star. 
you know, <laughs> but like, oh, yes, my mother facilitated this, this and this. And I was like, <laughs> so I was just I was just happy because, you know, it's it's exciting, you know, to hear about like these characters, especially these characters who never we never got to really see you know, like ever and <laughs> properly. So um, in like film, in like media and stuff, you know, so I'm like, oh my gosh, like yeah. I hope this does well enough that, you know, maybe potentially we could have a, a really badass Gabrielle, you know? Yeah, if they were going to do her well, I'd be down for that because she is amazing. I really do love she her. She's an amazing lot. fucking character. I think like women who hit a certain age, like we're like, yeah, she's, really fucking cool and i i i dig her vibe <laughs> yeah she's, um no gabrielle's one of my favorites she's just so great she just doesn't take any shit from anyone and mm-hmm. i just love her so much and so <laughs> it'd be great if she just showed up and pulled him by the hair away from the table and was like we don't act like this yeah oh my not, God, but it would be, be amazing uh, <laughs> but yeah so so paul has an instinctive dislike about lestat mm-hmm. and goads him into like just you know tries to get under his skin and Mm -hmm. kind of does successfully because he Lestat kind of gets triggered by Paul's religious uh rever and you know kind of makes it very firmly known that he did have a very profound loving relationship with god at one point but because of the abuse he suffered uh at the hands of his own father and his older brothers that ruined the relationship that he had had with god but he definitely yeah triggers old mortal wounds <laughs> so he's yeah. like oh i wonder too if there's some back and forth going on with him and paul kind of silently we don't see it so maybe not we don't but... see it so we don't know Right. But I wouldn't be surprised because Paul later does say things about how he saw he was the devil. And I'm mm-hmm. guessing that Lestat was fucking with him a little bit. Probably. <laughs> yeah. So after dinner, so Louis walks Lestat home and Lestat kind of invites him up for a nightcap. Wink, wink. Mm. Uh, do you want a drink? And he doesn't mean drink. But then he tells Louis he bought him a gift. And we see Lily, who is the sex worker that Louis really likes hanging out on the veranda of his townhouse so louis goes upstairs with lestat and lestat plays this music box and lily starts to undress and lily mentions that louis and she usually just talk they don't do anything else and she likes the song that's playing on the music box and lestat is like oh yeah i composed it for a I forget how he describes him, but basically for Nikki, which I thought was mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, Nikki mentioned. Yep, yep. <laughs> Got excited over that. that. Just because, I don't know, special place in my heart for that cynical bastard. Mm-hmm. And then there's some sexy times. And then more sexy times. And then Lily passes out and Louie and the stat have some sexy times. There's a lot of sexy times. Yeah, my note for this scene was, it went gay, and I appreciate that. (laughs) So then we're back at the interview, and Louis starts talking about his sexuality and how, you know, he hadn't been comfortable with it, obviously, in the time that he was living and being a Black businessman. Being queer was just something he couldn't pile on top of that. And then he mentions that he and Daniel met in a gay bar, 
And Daniel's like, yeah, but I was just there to score. I did what I had to, which at that point I got mad. I have to say that made me. I I guess I missed that line. So, yeah, I like I didn't notice that until like I just read your your line here. So I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. What sucked about it is that it definitely seemed like when Louie mentioned the gay bar, because we had gotten some, you know, we saw the toys and stuff. You can be a gay dad. That's fine. We'll talk about what we think of Daniel's sexuality probably at the end a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to go super into it, but that line really jarred me because like when he mentions gay bar, I was like, oh, good. They're sticking with the whole they met in the gay bar thing, which I believe I don't know is actually in the book, but I think it's long been fanon at least that it was a gay bar that they met in and it may even be in the book i'm not entirely sure it's not in the book okay it's probably just heavily implied in the overall and (laughs) like (laughs) back that like they lived in the the san francisco Francisco, and and she based it you know there and you know basically everyone just just kind of like yeah it was a gay bar uh, so when they mentioned gay bar, I was like, oh, good. Okay, we're going to get this like straight up. Daniel's queer. Cool. Mm-hmm. And then immediately he mentions being there to score. And I was like, yeah, get it, boy. <laughs> You're there to hit on guys. And then I realized that he meant score drugs. And then he says, I did what I had to, which makes it imply that he really didn't want to be in a gay bar. And then I got angry. Oh, okay. Okay. So I just misunderstood. So, okay. I did hear the line because I didn't, I was like, he said that he was just there to score drugs when, yeah, I thought he meant sexually. Yeah. I orig- I did too. It took me a minute. And then I realized what he was saying and I was like, oh, come on. Okay. Come on guys. Because. Even if you posit the idea that Daniel is like in the closet and has been for his entire life, I don't know. It's just a crappy thing to do to a character who is extremely queer on the page yeah. in Queen of the Damned. And it just felt really crappy. And I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. So I was not happy about that. <laughs> Louis describes being with Lestat like the best drugs you can be on, which I also was like, okay, I mean, the sure, that's a metaphor. I've probably written worse. Mm-hmm. And then because we because he, he asks Daniel, well, what's the best drug you've ever been on? He's like black tar heroin. And he's like, OK, it's like um, that. Black tar thousand. heroin from Berkeley in 1978. Yeah. Which I was just like, oh, my God. Like Daniel's an addict in the books. He's an alcoholic. Yeah. I don't remember the books actually mentioning him doing drugs, but I 100 percent believe. And I think most fans believe like that guy would do coke. He wasn't going to say no to a line. He wouldn't have said he wouldn't have said no to a joint like he's definitely. But I. Yeah. Turning him into this incompetent drug addict who couldn't get through an interview. Just really don't like what they've done to Daniel. I don't like it anyway. So we go back to the interview and Louis, I think he says first that like he he avoided Lestat after that night. He did. Yeah. And before that, we had seen them. Before that, we had seen them like shopping for clothes and doing a bunch of stuff together. So they were spending a lot of time together. And then after they have sex, it seems like Louis gets freaked out and decides that he's going to avoid him. Mm-hmm. And then we, our next big scene is Grace's wedding. Mm-hmm. And I don't yes. have a ton to say about it. It was sweet. I liked watching sweet. Louis and Paul tap dance. I thought it was that was very cute. Nice scene. Mm-hmm. And 
And then after the wedding, after the bride and the groom have already left and all the guests have gone home, uh, Paul and Louis climb up onto the roof of the family home and, you know, they begin to just, you know, talk and reminisce a bit. And uh, Paul asks Louis, you know, do you do you really like, you know, uh, I forget what Grace's husband's name is, but and Levi, he's like, yeah. I think His Levi, Levi. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, yeah. And he's like, do you think she, he's going to like make her happy? And he's like, yeah, I, I really do. He's like, okay. <laughs> and then a couple minutes later, or a minute later, uh, Paul walks off the edge of the roof and commits suicide, which is like you and I both know that's coming. And it's still, it was still sad. Yeah, and the whole time they were on the roof, I kept expecting him to just be yeeted off. Like, I just thought he was going to, like, suddenly fall because in the book he's pushed down the stairs by this unseen force. So I was kind of waiting for that to happen. And then when he just, like, walked off the roof, I was really sad about it. I was like, oh, that's even sadder somehow. Yeah, because, like, in the book it leaves, you know, Louis doesn't want to believe or people don't want to believe that he walked off like that he jumped or you know deliberately fell and there was like there was like a there was ambiguity whether he committed suicide or not well but, in the book everyone thinks that we killed him yeah <laughs> everyone thinks it, they were fighting and he pushed him and so right. that's and in the show louis mom thinks that he must have said something to paul that made yeah. him do that to, so to they like don't aggravate think, him yeah, yeah. So they don't think that he like physically pushed him off the roof, but they think that he must have said something to cause him to do that. Mm -hmm. And then his mom also mentions that people who die by suicide go to hell. So he's down there now and it's your fault. <laughs> right. Like, oh my gosh. And to like save face, I think for the neighbors and like the community and stuff. And also for religious reasons, I think they say that like, you know, he fell off. Mm -hmm. And so that way he's, he's buried in, uh, holy land you know what i'm saying there's like yeah. a thing like where you can't be like where suicides can't be buried like on sacred ground or something i have a note in my my notes that i wrote while i was watching that just says his robe oh my god i think that was something lestat was wearing <laughs> oh yeah yeah of course yeah when he was like throwing his little bitch fit Oh, right. Okay. I was like, where did that note come from? I knew. I was like, it has to be Lestat wearing a robe. I just wrote his robe. Oh, my God. Awesome. I'm super organized. <laughs> Going off some handwritten notes, people. I literally scribbled these while I watched it at six in the morning because like it got released on Thursday. Mm -hmm. I had to work and I was like, oh, no, spoilers are going to be everywhere. And then I watched it and like there weren't really spoilers everywhere. And I was like, look, is it really <laughs> Just, oh, excuse me. I'm yawning. And it just sat in your head and then you were like, oh God, quick. Because I know that I, I woke up in the morning and I already had like, an email from you like, it dropped early. Watch it. <laughs> like, well, I was okay. just so, because I was just like, oh my God, it wasn't supposed to be out till Sunday. What are they doing? I have to work today, AMC. I have to work. Oh my goodness. So I just scribbled a bunch of notes while I watched it like six in the mm -hmm. morning. So it's a little caffeinated and crazy and I can't always read my own handwriting. Right. So... So it's the funeral scene and Lestat, like a like a lovelorn narcissist, <laughs> like accosts Louis in like during the procession. And that's, I think, the robe. 
that you're mentioning. Maybe. I think there was a scene before that because it's kind of before Paul falls off the roof. So I think there was a scene where he's wearing oh, a robe. He's like, <laughs> he was like on his porch or like his oh, stoop. Oh, maybe that was it when he was like forlornly. You're right. When he's yeah, like, he was like on, on the stoop of his townhouse, yes. like looking out in the street, like, where's my boyfriend? Why okay. hasn't he come to me? That I think that's what he was when. doing. I think he was uh, calling, like psychically calling to Louie, like, come to me. Okay. And Louie's just like, fuck off <laughs> oh right yes okay and that's why he was wearing the robe okay that makes sense <laughs> so so weird anyway like you were saying he accosts them in the funeral procession and he's like nice coffin where'd you get it <laughs> or something like that like a <gasps> yes big thing to so say inappropriate and you're just like oh my god what and the also, fuck is wrong with you? He doesn't know he's a vampire yet, so that even makes even less sense. It's like he's to Lestat, it's this hilarious joke, and Louis's not gonna get it, and that's mm. part of why he's being a dick about it. Anyway, uh, it was pretty in character. Oh uh, no, I was just gonna say it was one hundred percent in character, though. So I, <laughs> I, I'm just like, I can't. I like, I'm sitting here going, oh my god, Lestat, what the fuck? And then I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> so in character i love it <laughs> such a dick move come on buddy <laughs> oh man and then louis at the funeral he's distracted he can't concentrate he's just thinking of lestat again who is psychically calling to him and eventually he goes to this church he basically bangs on the door at the church their family church and he like pounds the door until they let him in and then he needs to confess he's desperate to confess and the priest is like okay okay it doesn't seem like it should be that big of a deal but you're clearly worked up so come on and when he's in the confession booth like stuff wood starts cracking there's like noise outside mm -hmm. something crazy is going on and he comes out of the confession booth like the priest is ripped out of there and lestat is just sitting there drinking from the priest and there's fire everywhere because of course there is and there's blood everywhere Lestat is such a messy eater my god mm. in this it is just all over the place <laughs> the scene this really cracked me up and I shouldn't have been laughing but there was a second priest and he <laughs> kind of did that thing where he was like oh shit oh shit and like the minute you see him and like Lestat looks up and sees him and he's just like oh fuck I gotta run I gotta run I, I laugh <laughs> so Heart. And, and then, then like, the priest runs. like like trips in the other priest's blood and you're just like he's like, like like it's like final girl level you know i was like is this film. supposed to be funny because i am laughing way too hard at this and then like th that's the scene where lestat's chasing him and the priest is moving slower and again i think it's supposed to indicate that lestat's just moving really fast but he like telekinetically shuts the church doors and then the priest like he grabs him and he like rips his face off with his hand and i'm like what the fuck is happening like i went from laughing to like holy shit why would you rip his face off so it's very there's a lot happening here mm -hmm. yeah like damn damn Lestat, you're messy like you just ruined that suit i know i mean how much did you spend we saw you shopping it was not cheap i mean Lestat, it is well established it is well canon that Lestat spends money like a drunken sailor. Oh yeah, <laughs> in, the, in the interview, but book, he, it's all but Louis he's money also, that he's spending like a drunken sailor, which right. Is funny but he's about also it. like a, a bona fide dandy. So I feel oh, like yeah. this is just like too messy for him. But he's also a showman, so you know I feel like the special occasion mess is justified. 
Like he's not going to be doing this all the time. I don't know. When he killed that gas lamp guy, he was pretty messy. It was kind well, of that's a, true. It was pretty violent. I think AMC is like, I don't know. We do Walking Dead. We're good with. Fake I know that's what I was thinking. Everywhere. I was like, well, we had you know like ten years of the Walking Dead. <laughs> we could do this. I'm like, okay, guys, whatever. So then Lestat gives Louis a speech about how he sees him for who he is and understands him and he can bring him into his world. And this scene, there was a moment at the end where Louis says something about how he felt seen. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, okay, this is such a queer moment because it is such a yeah. queer experience to be seen for who you really are mm -hmm. and to have somebody love you for that mm -hmm. and how powerful that is and i just thought oh my god that is really beautiful so i really did like that moment right and that's that's like where my ultimate yes i have quibbles with the show obviously oh, for sure yeah but I like my overall positive opinion of it is coming from this scene because i think the focus on louis wanting to be seen and having like a freedom and versus like the crippling fear of death which is really kind of like the initial i think driving force in the book is you know like just like that crippling fear of death of it's like He's very, you know, he's very depressed. Um, I don't think Louis has a crippling fear of death. I mean, he might, but I think he's more driving in the book. I think it's more that he's grieving and he's just wrecked with guilt and being this horrible, like he already feels like a monster, mm. I guess. And he's already, and you know, I mean, I'm sure the fear of death is there too, because that is definitely a theme in the books for sure. Yeah. Well, I, and I think I'm, I'm putting in my, um, knowledge of louis as a character uh collectively rather than mm -hmm. just just from interview, interview with the vampire scene, yeah. yeah and he's you know because but also an in interview with the vampire you know he's very 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 self-loathing yes he does. and but he's yes. way too i don't want to say i don't want to say cowardly but he i think he is he has such a, a huge fear of hell that he would never like commit suicide, you know. He wouldn't commit suicide, but he does try to get people. To, he does try to die. He does try to get people to kill him because he's he, like, yeah, he doesn't want to do it himself, right? So, but like, you know, there's not like this self-loathing death wish. Okay, in other words, um, it's more of like just the wanting to be seen, um, and I I think that's a worthy narrative, and I'm really happy that they're going in like emphasizing that direction mm -hmm. um and not to say that you can't have one without the other because i feel like a lot of queer people do go through those kinds of you know self-loathing feelings oh for sure yeah but yeah the the wanting to be seen and wanting to connect with someone who loves and adores them and wants to and can give them the freedom to not have to pretend even though they're going to be pretending in a different way <laughs> but the episodes two through eight no yeah yeah <laughs> I think no, it's only really. seven actually i think seven is the episode count but yeah it'll be the next no it's eight episodes. it's eight is it i thought mm. it was seven uh they're credited as eight in oh. the imdb oh cool so. 
but yeah. Um, so, and that's kind of why I, and that's that this is so going kind of back to how we were discussing the confusion with Daniel. That's why I thought, Oh, well, this is like a very interesting juxtaposition narratively speaking against Daniel. And to me as a, writer and a consumer of literature and media that's how i would have presented it anyway was that like you know louis wants to teach daniel or or you know like his narration is you know you know be who you are you know um and that's why i i was hoping obviously like I stand corrected but like Daniel was in a gay bar and then maybe figured that he wouldn't have a successful career unless he presented as straight um so he had like a couple of you know marriages tried and just you know ultimately couldn't you know yeah and we don't know for sure and we don't know for sure spoilers I haven't I have to say I have not been reading spoilers. I have I'm not following spoilers, spoilers no, so I don't know anything that's supposed to be coming up really. I don't other than the random things. bits and pieces that I just see. Yeah, which it happens, but I'm not like seeking it out or trying to find it. I just I think that I just yeah, for me having this guy who's been in the if he is in fact just closeted to me, I just feel like that's damaging in some ways. I feel like it just would have been better if they had not done it that way. But I think they could have done a lot of different things. Like it didn't need to be a second interview. You could have, if you wanted it to be set in modern times. That would have been fine. You could have just had young Daniel find Louis in a bar today. It would have worked fine. He doesn't have to use a cassette recorder. Everyone's got a recorder on their phone. He could be a podcaster. (laughs) He could be a freelance journalist who's struggling to break into journalism right now, which is a horrible job to try and break into. It's very hard. And so he could have been desperate. Or they could have just had a relative find the tapes. The first interview happens, he goes off and has his story, and then we start from a relative coming along. But, you know, again, I don't know what their endgame is for this. I have my suspicions, but the second interview thing still just kind of baffles me. I'm like, why does it need to be that way? But it is what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to episode two rather than dreading it yeah so my biggest takeaway from this was as i was watching it i just felt like i couldn't get worked up about the changes because it is so very different Mm -hmm. it's such a different story and the characters are very different i mean the stats very similar louis has things in common but the whole thing just feels like it's telling a completely different story Mm -hmm. and so it's like oh of course they're going to change things because it's not the same story so like by like the middle of it i was like eh cool whatever they're gonna do what they're gonna do (laughs) i can't get too upset about it because it just is a different beast it feels very separated from the books and i have friends who disagree who think it feels very close to the books and that's awesome too if that's how you feel for me it just feels incredibly like a separate thing i it feels to me more like a story that has been inspired by rather than is an adaptation of. Or is a very maybe that's not the best way to put it. It feels very much like No, I I I I think that's a great way to put it. Okay. I don't have the like I don't have enough substantial evidence 
to call this inspired by or adaptation. I, I'm still reserving judgment. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I, I want to see where this goes. I'm like, all right, all right, you got me. Okay, let's see where this goes. You know what I mean? Like to me, Queen of the Damned, the film was a unrelenting shit show that was inspired by <laughs> rather than yeah anything even resembling Queen of the Damned, you know? Like they had characters of a similar name in there and me and like a kind of similar premise, but otherwise it was so far removed from the source material that it could barely be called Vampire Chronicles, right? Whereas the Interview of the Vampire movie adaptation with some, you know, generous liberties, but still hit like the prime beats and other than how they're setting up the narration of this like the the modern day and and stuff um that uh like the actual past stuff i still feel like it's still hitting the same beats the oh you know what the only quibble i like real quibble i i'm kind of still like that is actually bothering me I like the fact that it takes place in 1910, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I like that era. Um, it's it's a good era, um, especially because Louis is a man of color. Um, so it narratively makes sense. I like I love the fact that they had Jelly Roll Morton in there. That's yeah, that's a legit ragtime era musician uh, who I adore. But th- the thing that kind of gets me is that he met Daniel initially then in the 70s and I'm like that's not really a lot of time to have passed between 19 like that's that's 60 years and we know that Claudia is coming in so I'm just like mm-hmm. are you guys trunk you have to be truncating her like her timeline and then her narration and that's the only thing that's that's actually bothering me Mm, and, and so there is, there is a character where you're like they shouldn't change it and they did and you're like ah oh, mm-hmm. well, yeah with the timeline and stuff. yeah well the timeline so the timeline's weird i have some i have some things about the timeline the weird thing about the timeline is that lestat was still born in the same time so he is as mm-hmm. old as he is in the books yeah which means that his story like <laughs> It's just that creates issues too, because like then what has he been doing the whole time? Like, yeah, he's he been just, dicking around for a hundred years. Was he at the theater with them for that long, or did he go somewhere else? Was he with Marius? Maybe is that why he's so powerful? Because my other big takeaway was like, wow, he's got all the powers. It's like in, is like in the X Files when they have someone who can like do some kind of like thing like maybe they have like fire powers and they don't Mm -hmm. just have like it's never specific it's always literally like all the fire powers yeah yeah and i felt like lestat just has like all the vampire powers yeah the fact that he was able to like (laughs) shut the door with his mind i was like Mm -hmm. homie (laughs) it's like i know he has telekinesis in the books he's got like the mind gift or whatever but like 
it, it it seems very powerful and then also mm-hmm. he's got the whole like floating flying thing which you know you know he does get in the books but i thought that was like after akasha so it was after akasha so i he's very of, powerful i kind of took that as a metaphor more than anything oh yeah for sure but i'm just saying for story purposes yeah it's not good to have this guy who's already super powerful because right. that is going to create issues later yeah it is <laughs> or we're just gonna get a lot of vampire fights with like hissing and <laughs> hissy fights actual hissy fights slapping um, because they just they're too powerful to really fight each other so <laughs> so i'm sorry i just want to get back to the timeline because sure. i i'm sorry i wasn't finished um no it's oh sorry so it would have made narratively more sense than than that they met in the like him that louis and daniel met in like 2021 or 2022 mm-hmm. you know um because then at least over a hundred years have passed since he's been made a vampire and i would believe that more than 60 fucking years i'm like what the what is 60 years like 60 like you could legit still be alive <laughs> like you know yeah. what i mean yeah like, i'm just like like when you meet daniel in the book there is no way you would have been alive at all you were like a hundred and yeah well see 19 wait 1791 minus 25 is oh god it is too late for me trying to do math here i got a phone i got a calculator 1791 minus 25 1766 okay so he was born in 60 1766 in the books obviously yeah so he's almost like he's 200 years old well at that point he's very despondent which then really makes you wonder what was going on with the interview in the 70s like what was his deal yeah like you said like it just doesn't it's not enough time for him. It's to be not that enough time, and despondent. I don't know. I mean, he's pretty good. Louis as a character generally does, is. Good does that mean that he was hanging out with Armand in the eighties, <laughs> fucking around? I mean, maybe Daniel sure wasn't. So why not? God damn it! All right. Anyway, <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm so mad about that. Just because I really. That is like the Devil's Minion section of Queen of the Damned is my favorite part of the books. It's amazing. And they are my favorite. Yeah. And the fact that now there's no way that can happen. I know that the showrunner has said that they have a plan for that. I have theories on what the plan is, but I don't. I don't like any of the possibilities because I just want the book story. The book story is great. We're not going to get it. And it bums me out. Yeah, I I do want someone to do the Devil's Minion. That's my favorite chapter in all of them. It's just so good. And there's just so much packed into it. And it really just, I don't know. Daniel and Armand are just so great. And they're so great together. And it's so funny and beautiful. And oh, I, I need to reread it. So it. Much. I love it so much. So the creator, what's his name again? Rollin James. Rollin James. So he... He did have a a funny quote at the end of like the behind the scenes, a look inside the episode, Mm -hmm. a little teaser at the end of the episode, which was reflecting back on, you know, how Lestat was like aggressively, you know, after Louis and how Louis had mentioned, you know, he was hunting me and he goes, well, Lestat would have 
would have looked at it as that he was courting Louis, <laughs> but he was definitely not. He was definitely hunting him. <laughs> no, that is funny. And I could just see that being like a like an argument when they're old and well, old <laughs> when they're <laughs> when they're like, you know, like a couple hundred years old. And that's just still like an argument they bicker about. <laughs> Well, it's funny you bring that up because the first time I watched the episode, the other feeling I got was like when they're like going shopping, Lissette's taking him to shows and he's popping up in Louis's life was like, this feels way more like Armand and Daniel than it does Louis and Lissette, which it's not the same yeah. at all. Like obviously yeah. Armand and Daniel have a different I... dynamic and Daniel knows that Armand is a vampire, which Louis doesn't know. And that is weird too, because it feels like he should be more suspicious of this guy that's a whole other thing he doesn't seem to be very worried about the fact that this guy is like in his head a lot and stuff but maybe he just i don't know what he thinks about that but yeah i, I know, did man. new orleans is weird and it's always been weird so yeah and they do mention something about witches at one point so mm -hmm. i wonder if the fact that magic just exists in this universe is kind of like a known thing so maybe it doesn't freak him out as much right but i did get that like feeling of like this feels way more like, it's not Armand and Daniel, but it's closer to them on the spectrum than it is closer to Louis and Lestat in the Yes, book. I agree 100%. And I had that same feeling. Yeah. So I just thought that was a little odd because, and again, it's mostly just because he's like popping up in his life. <laughs> it's sort of their deal, but it's in a different way. So theories. So theories. I just have a couple. Um, I'll be quick. And again, I just want to reiterate before I say any theories that these are based solely on me watching this episode and just my knowledge of how storytelling works. And these are basically random guesses. I don't have any insider knowledge. It is not coming from a place of anything other than my own personal suspicions. I just want to share these on the podcast because if I'm right, I will have proof <laughs> that I was right. And I can point to it and go, knew it, knew it, called it. Uh, so, yeah. Theory number one is that Daniel, the reason Louis wants to do the second interview now is because of the Parkinson's and because he's going to make him a vampire he, or offer him that choice. Mm. I suspect that that is sort of the end game for that. I don't know mm. for sure, but that was sort of the feeling I got. Also, I forgot to say earlier, but there's a part in the interview when it's at the very beginning when he's like, well, why did you come? And like, I want to know that too. Why did you come? I mean, I get why Daniel did because like he hears these tapes, doesn't really remember what happened, wants to find out if this guy is for real. I'm sure that I would also go. So I understand why Daniel went. But he mentions like, we're in the middle of a pandemic and you're immunocompromised and you still got on a plane. And the whole time I'm just thinking that was such a dick move for Louis because he could have just gone to Daniel's place. Yeah. Like he sent the tapes. He knew where he lived. Why did you make this guy travel? Just That's not a Louis. That is just not <laughs> like a Louis characteristic either. And that actually, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that did bother me. I was like, Louis, you are not an asshole like this. <laughs> like that's, a, that's an Armand move. Well, that's in Armand the show. and the stat, like our two petty little <laughs> bitches. That is not a you. You are nice. You are a nice boy. But anyway, I just thought that was funny because I was like, wow, you could have just gone to him, though. That would have been way easier. So anyway, um, but yeah, that's my theory is that at the end, he's going to offer him immortality when this interview is over. And then it is going to start from there. And then possibly we'll get flashbacks into TVL. I don't know how much they have actually thought about how they're going to adapt the future books if they get enough seasons. 
Uh, I'm sure that I'm sure they have like some rough sketches, but mm-hmm. yeah, that would be I, my. Theory. I definitely think they have TBL in mind. Yeah, well, they've. I mean, they mentioned Nikki and. Mm-hmm. Well, Stad also mentions like he tips the musicians and talks about how they don't get enough due, so clearly has an appreciation for them. And mm-hmm. all right, theory number two. This is about Claudia, who we have not even met yet, but I, I just wait. have a gut feeling that they are not going to kill her off. Really, I be- this is I don't know why I think this. I just got this feeling when I was watching like some behind the scenes stuff or something where she's in it, and I just thought. They're not going to do it. They're not going to kill her. What I think they're going to do, I suspect that they're going to do the whole like theater thing and there's going to be like a fake out, possibly at like a, you know, an episode cliffhanger or something where we think she's dead. And then we're going to learn that she actually survived. Possibly Armand saved her instead of uh, killing her or maybe someone else does. I don't know. But that's my theory. I just don't think she's going to die in this version. So we'll see if I'm wrong. I'm wrong. That's just, again, stab in the dark. Two things. Okay. Okay. So to, here we go. So alternate, alternatively, mm-hmm. he could um, be fulfilling what Anne had originally intended for Claudia. Oh. Like fucking off with the urchins of uh, Perry, okay. you know, with other yeah. little vampire urchins. Totally could. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they made they're making her a preteen, like she's Kirsten Dunst aged, I think um, she's which like I, fourteen or fifteen, which I totally understand. Um, I think she's meant to be a little younger, and you know, she just the actress is fourteen or fifteen. I thought the actress was an adult. Oh, oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know so, for sure either. Yeah, I don't um, even. I can't even remember her name. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry right. to the actress. We, we will. We will know when she comes in. But um, or. Because remember, I was complaining about the timeline and how it's just it's too truncated. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is in the middle of that. How would that work, though? So, like, what part would they be at at this point? Um, where either Claudia just died or has not. Okay, or well, and that's... still to come. Okay, well, I'm glad you said that because that plays into theory number three. Mm. This is my last one. Okay, guys, you ready? This one is. The least likely to be true, I would give it maybe like a 6% chance. Like it's probably not right. But I was thinking about the timeline too. And I was thinking if Louis is really young and he hasn't been around that long, he spends a pretty good chunk of time with Armand. And there's this random guy in the room Mm -hmm. named Rashid. What if Rashid is not his real name? So I was what, wondering that too. What if, if that- what if that is supposed to be Armand and he is going by a different name pretending to be Louis Valet and <laughs> is actually there the whole time? Oh my god, the ego on that that vampire <laughs> to pretend to be somebody's valet. I mean, but you're right. He do- Oh my god, now I You would have to bribe him. him. He you know, you'd have to give him something. He'd have to oh, oh, absolutely. Him. Unless he's maybe like- he's like obsessed with Daniel and has been obsessed with Daniel. <laughs> He's, he's got a little scrapbook of him <laughs> he's just like and he's like you're bringing look. this guy here and we're doing this we're um doing- <laughs> i can sign all of my, all of the books that i have <laughs> so anyway that is my most off the rails theory it's probably I don't think that's off true. the rails i wondered that as well i was like is that the fu- is that fucking armand like who the fuck is that yeah i mean i don't know so anyway 
those are just my three suspicions so far. As we watch the show, I'm sure other things are going to pop up in my head and be like, wait, are they doing this? Because that is the fun thing about this being very different than the books is that I don't know what the hell's going to happen. So mm-hmm. that does make it kind of exciting because I can it be does. like, okay, literally anything could happen. Let's go. Yeah. Like, I'm excited for tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want to watch this. This is weird. I just got my thoughts together for this episode, and now there's another one. I know. (laughs) But now we're ahead of the game. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Or I guess we're on top of the game. We're not ahead of it. We're We're on top of it. We're in the game. They dropped it early, which was so weird. (laughs) I was like, what are they doing to me? They dropped the trailer on a Thursday. Honest to get, God, I swear that they're doing it because of people like us, like podcasters, bloggers like I think they did it as a media move because they want people to cover it and get the hype out there probably I'm sure that's probably true it's a PR move which is fine I I I respect it yeah I have nothing against PR I think you've got to promote your stuff so Mm -hmm. listen to our podcast give us five stars on Apple and Spotify and with that (laughs) I mean it just came up organically. But if you guys want to support us, you can tell your friends, you can share this episode. And honestly, if you're watching the show, please tell me what you think. I would love to hear your thoughts and opinions. I mm-hmm. have been thinking about this show basically nonstop since I watched it on Thursday. So yeah, it just is rolling around my head and I'm happy to talk to other people about it. So reach yeah, out. chat with us on uh, Twitter or Instagram. And I'll put all that stuff in the show notes so you'll be able to find it. The schnotes. The schnotes. The schnotes. Well, Um, thank you for watching it and being willing to just have this casual little chat about it. It was kind of a mess, but it was fun. And I think it'll... I think it will at least, at the very least, continue to be entertaining. I think so, too. I had fun. So I hope people enjoy listening to this. And if you have any wild theories about what the show is going to do. And again, spoilers are not theories. If you know something that is different than wildly guessing. Mm -hmm. But if you have wild guesses, I would love to hear your wild guesses. What do you think the show is going to do? Oh, my gosh. In fact, message us on Instagram if you don't mind us publishing your wild theories and we will absolutely put them in our stories and credit you of course mm-hmm. so um do that also please send us any uh cosplay vampire cosplay but definitely interview with the vampire or, or not interview the vampire excuse me definitely vampire chronicles cosplay that you or your friends have done i'm starting to highlight cosplayers um, of a vampiric nature um, <laughs> on our Instagram because I think I think people that sort of artistry has finally hit its mainstream appreciation you know like whereas cosplay before was seen as like weird um, it's now it's now just like you know I, I'm just so happy that it's like being celebrated and I just want to, you know, continue that celebration. So please do submit or tag us or whatever in any of your uh, cosplay photos or reels that you post. Mm-hmm. And I'll be happy to share. It's so awesome that all the stuff we loved as teenagers is now just like mainstream and everyone's talking about it. I was on Twitter the other day and Same. all these authors I follow were talking about interview with the vampire. And I was like, what is happening? Why are mm-hmm. people talking about the vampire chronicles? And I was like, all oh, right, there's a show everyone's talking about it now it's so weird i love it weird in a good way it's good weird 
All right. Well, I think that's <laughs> sorry. I had nothing else to say. <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. We'll just we'll call it there. Thanks so much for listening. And hopefully we will cover this whole show. It may not be the same week that the episodes drop because we have other episodes planned. We may not be able to get together and schedule it as quickly as we're able to schedule this one. But we do plan to watch the whole show and we'll probably have episodes about every episode if we can make that happen. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Even if you know what? Even if they're shorter episodes. Yeah. We might just end up doing little like mini-sodes. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We want to see where this show goes. And I think we have repeated that several times. So I'm going to just end it here. Bye. Bye. This is Tori and Chell wishing you a fangtabulous evening with vampire wishes and batty nightmares. This podcast was edited by me, Tori. Our music is edited and mixed by Vikra the Never Living and includes Dark Halloween Night by Chase Allen Willis. And Toccata and Fugue in D Minor by Johann Sebastian Bach, performed by Kevin McLeod. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to join our hellish crusade, please leave us five stars on Apple and Spotify. Be sure to tell your favorite blood-sucking themes about Vampires Ruined My Life. <laughs>